Now, it's time for the Cybersecurity News Bite with Jim Guckin. Cybersecurity News Bite, episode number 72 for October 23rd, 2023. Malvertising campaigns target Notepad++. Excellus Stealer, a low-cost cybercrime weapon. An IT company finds it's accidentally leaked mobile phone data. And Cisco finds a new zero-day bug you need to pay attention to. Welcome to the show, everyone. I am Jim Guckin, your ever-vigilant host, here to talk about the news stories I think you need to pay attention to this week in the cyber realm. Uh, so the first story we have to talk about this week uh, is, was, it was, is an interesting one, uh, only because it has to do with a malvertising campaign, which is an advertising campaign with the goal of spreading malware uh, out there. And it happens to be a tool that everyone I know, usually in the cybersecurity or even in the IT field, generally has installed on their computers. Um, it's Notepad++. Um, I think it's, I always said Notepad++. I hope it's not, you know, said another way, but it's always the way I said it. So if I'm wrong, you can always let me know in the comments. Uh, but Notepad++, um, this malvertising campaign has been found by Malwarebytes Lab, which is their cybersecurity um, research arm of uh, Malwarebytes, which is a popular uh, anti-malware uh, application you can have. Uh, and this is tar this is using uh, Google Ads to spread uh, malware around. Um, and it's not the first time they've done it. They've done it before. Uh, so it's a, it's a threat actor that's known. They're just using different compromised accounts now to kind of spread this uh, out there. So they... In general, malvertising, they, they, they target ads, specifically the users they would most likely click. And sometimes, it, well, not sometimes, anytime you go to Google and you search something, usually the first two to three results on the top of the page are ads. And then usually you get down to um, what you're really looking for. And sometimes... And I'll tell you this, sometimes the, the top ad is actually the thing you're looking for, but it's an ad versus the search engine link, whatever. So they target ads that users are likely to pick. And this attack generally is screened, means you click the ad and it runs a whole bunch of things in the background to kind of keep it, you know, off of the radar. The whole point in screening is, is to, to make sure that, you know, security analysts aren't, aren't doing stuff for it. So you click the link, it runs real quick and checks to make sure that the IP ignores any VPNs or, you know, no IPs that they may know that might contain a security analyst. Um, and these are, you know, could even be subset it down to, um, other businesses. So like, if you know, Microsoft's IP range, they may block those stuff like that. And after the, all the checks and make sure that it is a legitimate site as they expect it to be, they display a decoy site, which in this case is a cop, a direct copy, like a cloned version of the uh, notepad plus plus site. And the domain 
is close enough that if you're not paying attention, you might be able to find. So it, it, the, the, right now, the, the site that is used in this malvertising campaign ho is hosted at notepadextreme.com. Looks exactly like Notepad++. If you weren't paying attention to the URL, this probably could trick you because it looks like the site you expect it to look like. And, you know, the user goes, clicks to download the file. A JavaScript runs. Uh, this JavaScript further kind of checks to make sure you are the intended victim by making sure it's you're not on an emulated machine, meaning you're not running like a, um, uh, a machine in VMware or some kind of uh, sandboxed environment that you're expecting to run. Um, it's going to look for virtual computers, uh, stuff like that. And once again, this is all designed to keep a cyber researcher from pulling apart the code. So as long as you're coming from a IP that's on its allow list, and when you click the download, you're not running a emulator, you're not running a uh, VM, you know, you're running an actual computer, it'll take you down to where it starts to spread the malware. Now, if it detects any of these things, it'll actually redirect you to the actual Notepad++ site. So you download the real Notepad++. Um, but the interesting thing, so if you, if you meet all the criteria to be a victim of this thing, it assigns you an ID in its database and it restricts the time that website is available to you and also tracks, tracks you. So it now has downloaded malware has given you a specific IP or an idea that it can track, which is a pretty clever way. So even if I visit the website and I don't download, but for some reason I bookmark it, there is a set period of time where if I go back to that link, it'll be expired. I don't know if that gives you a new ID then or whatever. It, it, that page will probably no longer be available because it's very specific. It doesn't want me to share that link out. And wants to give it to a whole new person. So very interesting, you know, all these steps here to just download malware onto your computer. Pretending to be a software that a lot of technology people, a lot of programmers would use. Uh, we don't know why. We don't know who's, well, we know that the, the threat actor is the same person who's been doing it, but we don't necessarily have an, uh, an attribution at this point, at least according to the article I read. But, the key thing here, and the, the thing you should take away, is being very cautious with clicking those ad links, the first couple that come up on a search. And I know Google does it all the time, but I'm assuming most other search engines trying to monetize themselves will do the same thing. Make sure when you do a search, you are clicking on the exact link. It shouldn't say ad anywhere in it. So that you make sure you're getting to the right site. Because malicious actors have been known to exploit those ads. And... I will give it Google, Facebook, whoever the ad uh, manager is, does try to take care of them as quick as they're alerted, but there's so many, and there's a lot, a very automated process because there's no person interacting with it, that this tactic keeps working. And you just have to put that kind of in your daily cyber hygiene as when you search stuff up, that you don't go to any ad links. You go directly to the site you want to go to. And it takes a little bit of training to do that and said, I... I notice it, but a, a lot of people I've talked to don't because if they search for Adobe, 
let's say Adobe Flash, not Flash, Flash is not even work. God, I'm so old. <laughs> Adobe Photoshop. And they type in Adobe Photoshop on the thing, and the first ad comes up is usually Adobe's ad for their product for Photoshop. And you click it and you get right to the site. But it doesn't necessarily always mean that is 100% trustable. You want to go down to the first actual search result and make sure that you're staying safe. For our second story this week, for those of you out there who may be shopping for malicious cyber weapons, I got a deal for you. And if you're not one of those people, you need to be aware of this deal that's going on out there. And as like I said, you have to think of the cyber underground, the cyber crime underground as a business. And there are some great tools out there that are, you know, worth the money you spend. But every once in a while you find a, 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 a company or a person like in this case, uh, who has a product that's okay, but it's cheap. Um, and we'll talk about how cheap it is. So the new malware out there is called uh, Excel Stealer. It's a brand new information stealing malware. It's largely open sourced, um, though you can pay for some custom customizations to it. Um, it's written in Python, um, but it does incorporate a little bit of JavaScript in there. So the base model of this new cyber weapon that we have to be kind of aware of, it's designed to steal password, discord tokens, credit cards, cookies, and session data, which is very popular nowadays, uh, keystrokes, screenshots, and whatever you put on your clipboard. And the fun thing is it's only available on Windows, and that's just so that they can make sure that the code is obfuscated so that you're not able to see what it's actually doing. Um, and it's, it's <laughs> I hate talking about it like this is like a new like phone that dropped, but this is this is kind of how the cyber underworld sees this stuff. Like this is the 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 gateway in is so inexpensive that one like I'll say, you don't need to be, you don't need to design this. You're, you're just renting this or buying it for, for uh, a lifetime. Uh, but this is stuff that generally when you buy this malware as a service, in this case, an info stealer, you don't need a high technical, you know, knowledge to enter. This is, this can be run by probably most people who are, who can click their way through a problem. And this is why it's so dangerous. But before we get into why, which we should know already, but let's talk about the cost. So if you go into the, 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 some of these cyber crime, uh, cyber crime forums, or there's some Telegram channels which are selling this, you can rent this uh, Excel Stealer for $20 a month. Or if you're looking for a bargain, you can get it for three months for $45. Or if you're a big spender, you pay $120 and you have a lifetime license for it. I mean, that's better than most software out there that you can get legally on the internet. The reason why this concerns me is because of how low it is. This is perfect for people who are new to spreading malware. Like, there's not a high bar, a high cost to get into the malware space here. For $20 for one month, I can shoot a whole bunch of phishing emails out, which cost almost nothing for $20. And if I get one person, 
at even $100, I have more than made my money back. This is the danger of this stuff. Is It's it's malware that's not hundreds or thousands of dollars. I mean, it's $100 of you. 120 if you really want to, you know, you really feel, you know, you can use the product. But for $20 a month, for one for one $20 a month, most people might plop that down and see if they can make anything of this. And the attack path is an executable that masquerades as a PDF document, which we have talked about almost a ton on the show, which is a very common tactic that people use to fish people. Hey, here's a, here's a document. Here's a link to the document, however you want to do. And from there, once this malware is on there, there's the typical ransomware, which can be installed. But think about it. They have your passwords. They have uh, session data, meaning they can go to websites that you've already logged into without having the password and log into it. Um, the passwords most likely are in your browser, which is why I recommend you don't use the password store on your browser. Um, because all that stuff can be kind of taken out. If you use Discord, they can pretend to be you on Discord. We talked about how people were able to use that to, to uh, impersonate moderators and people of trust. Um, and because it's taking screenshots or things you put to your clipboard, one, as I said, ransom's always on the thing. Two, this can be used for espionage, whether it's corporate to corporate or whatever. They can steal your secrets because they're seeing everything you're typing and everything you're copying. Where I think... Num the third real factor comes in for this is blackmail. They can now blackmail you because they have access to all your data. They can see everything. They can see what you type. They can see your emails. They can see everything. And I think, you know, because this is probably targeted people who are not as experienced, they're not going to go after corporations. They're going to target your everyday person, your mom, your dad, your sister, your brother, people who are not as probably technology savvy as you. And that makes things more dangerous because one, people reuse passwords. So if I am able to crack, you know, someone's password or I see someone's password through this info stealer and I know they work at ABC company, I may try that same password at ABC company with a couple different variations to see if I can get into the account. So this is why one, the, the tokens there's not much, or the session data or the cookies, there's not much you can do to protect against those. Um, but your passwords, it's always good to have MFA on your accounts. I mean, the ideal thing is to never get malware in the first place, but this is what happens when some applications hit the low end of the market. Because I'm going to see a lot of people who probably are going to try this out, who are in the criminal space, who may not have the technical savvy, he said, for $20 a month, that's not bad. Even for $120, some of these cyber criminals, you could easily make that on one or two scores. So it is very dangerous and you need to be aware of it because now the cost has come down to where some kid with their allowance for three weeks or two weeks or one week, depending on how much they make for the allowance, uh, can buy and use this against whoever they choose. And that's, that's getting to a scary, scary place. For our third story this week, it is one that kind of troubles me. Because it's not something, it's something you could have gotten caught up in, something I could have gotten caught in it without even knowing it. So there's a company that has been reported uh, in this uh, news article, which is in the show notes, called DNA Micro. They're a California-based IT company. 
they had a misconfiguration in one of its systems, which led to the exposure of uh, 820,000 customers. And this wasn't DNA Micro itself. It's actually one of their subsidiary companies called Instaprotec. It's a screen warranty service. And everyone knows when you buy a phone, you have to buy a screen protector or a phone case for it, or both, honestly, if you want to keep the phone running without a cracked screen. Now, once again, that's somewhat of a luxury most of us uh, don't always necessarily get. Um, but if you uh, have one of these and you go for a warranty, like, hey, my, you know, uh, real famous, and, and, and this is one of the people in the in the um, impacted uh, companies, OtterBox. I've had OtterBoxes. I've loved them. If they break, OtterBox replaces it, right? And this is the company they use to replace all that. So if you have a screen protector or a phone case from Instaprotect, OtterBox, Liquid Pell, uh, Health and Safety, uh, LJP Construction Services, AMP, 23.5, or Intoto, which is the warranty service, uh, they're all the companies who, who, who use this warranty service. So your customer data could be in this batch. Now, the leaked data included full names, addresses, phone numbers, email addresses, warranty claim status, phone model, purchase date, um, uh, IMEI numbers, which is the International Mobile Equipment Identifier, which is the unique phone number or unique number that your phone has, a store or the store from which you purchased it, and the cell carrier. These are all information that you have to provide uh, during the warranty of your uh, phone case or the phone screen to get the warranty service done. They, they want to verify that you qualify for it. So they gather all this information. And this was the information that was accidentally exposed um, using the, the Kibana system, which was misconfigured. And this was discovered on uh, August 16th, originally. Uh, it contained, they actually had three open Kibana instances. Uh, they contained sensitive data. The largest uh, database was about 81 gigs. And from what I read, this, this database was supposed to be used obviously on local or private networks, but once it's exposed to the internet, this Kibana database without any kind of authentication is accessible to anyone. So it's not like it was a login page and you had to guess it. This was, this was meant to just display things internally without, without authentication. This was accidentally exposed to the internet and well, people can access it. So you can see the concern here. And, and I, I wish there was an easy way to saying like, oh, look, here's what you need to do to protect yourself from stuff like this. But as a company, you have to constantly be looking at your own, how you look to the internet, how you look to the outside world um, and verify that things are not misconfigured. And if they are, you deal with them pretty quick um, because it can be dangerous. And, and this is one of those things where you have a misconfiguration, where you open something up to the internet where it shouldn't be opened up. Uh, and obviously there was no checks in place to find that. Um, and this is what happened. So I'm assuming if you were an impacted person, you probably get an email or a phone call or some communication about this, but just be aware, you know, even it companies can make the same mistakes. Everyone else can, you just have to be watching and always look at your network as if, as if an adversary was looking at your network and you should be constantly checking out your public IP addresses to see what data is out there. You may not have anything assigned. 
you may not have intentionally made it open to the internet, but sometimes just a misconfiguration and two or three configurations in exposes it to the internet. And then you, yeah, you have to be aware um, because you can cause problems. And like this, you leak data that didn't really need to be leaked. I mean, really no data should be leaked, but you know, this gives information that people can c capture, use to make a profile on you and then try to fish you for more information. So very dangerous, but make sure that for the organizations you work in, you do your best job to kind of lock that down. For our final story, and this one's a doozy, there's still not a lot of information out about it now, but I wanted to make you aware of it because this is, this is big. So there were two Cisco bugs that were just announced. One of them being uh, CVE 2023-2198 and CVE 2023-2273. Now the 273 one we'll talk about first, uh, on October 20th, it updated its uh, threat advisory and put it as a CVSS score to 7.2 bad, but not necessarily as bad as we're going to get, uh, the CVE 2023-2198 was found on October 16th and has a severity rating, a CVSS score of 10 out of 10, uh, which is the first time I think since we've done the show, I we've ever got a perfect severity off of it. And the worst out of just CVS 10 out of 10 is it's already being used to compromise more than about 10,000 Cisco devices, Cisco reports. And Cisco believes that this is all done by the same threat actor. So they found this zero day and they are actively exploiting it. Um, so they use the first bug, the, um, the severity is real sphere one to get initial access to the uh, Cisco devices. And then they use that the second one, the 7.2 one to escalate their privileges once they've authenticated using the first one. And then um, CVE 2021 1435, um, which was previously noted in this bug uh, is no longer associated with the activity. So, they've dropped one vulnerability for a much more successful vulnerability. So the 2021 one is not big, uh, not big of an issue. Um, and says Cisco's kind of keeping a little tight lip on this because these, these are zero days and they are being actively exploited and they don't want more people to be, uh, come victims. them. so I don't have a lot of information to share my big concern. And what I hope to stress to you guys is these Cisco vulnerabilities or any of these networking equipment vulnerabilities especially when you get to like routers, they are very dangerous because they are usually not always some uh, environments are better than others. Uh, but there's not usually a redundancy built into some of those systems. So they are patched slower or they are never patched at all. Uh, and that leads to a, you know, an opening for cyber criminals to take advantage of your organization. Now, if you're good and you have, you know, a good patching, um, you know, system in place, then you're great. But even then you're probably not taking down routers or switches every so like every week or two or once a month, um, unless it's after hours and you have a set, um, window in which this stuff is supposed to go down. But most places I'll tell you, don't do a good job of it because it requires having to send a notification out to people because people walk all the time and they may lose connection to applications or servers or their computers during that time. 
but these are the ones that are most important to patch because older vulnerabilities probably last longer servers. You might be able to reboot. You might have a redundancy in them, maybe a pair. So you reboot one, the other one takes the data and then comes back up and you do the switch route. Um, you don't find that as often in networking equipment. So that could be something that, you know, you may want to hold off on, but as I said, the first one that, that that's used to initially access your Cisco equipment, the 2023 2198, that is one you need to find in your environment. If you're vulnerable to it and patch it immediately, you have to go to Cisco site, find out the, 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 the information that's vulnerable, um, and make sure you're patched because otherwise you don't want to be the second person to figure out that that is a vulnerable thing on your network and a hacker being the first. So, you know, think through your networking equipment, any, any device that you may not update because it's a pain and really pay attention to stuff like this. Is it? It's a 10 out of 10. doesn't happen often. It, it, it's a perfect vulnerability uh, and you need to address it quickly. And, you know, obviously do it off hours the best you can make the notification to people. But this is definitely something you have to pay attention to because you don't want this being exploited. Thanks so much, everyone, for listening to the show. Don't forget, you can go to our website, cybersecuritynewsbyte.com, for the show notes and the links from which these the stories came from. So you can do your own uh, deep dive into them if you want to, or your own uh, research rather than just taking my shortened version of it. If you want to talk, if you want to learn more about me, you can go to my website, jimguckin.com. I mean, even cybersecuritynewsbyte.com is my website, but you know, it's more jimguckin.com is more me, me. Uh, if you want to email me or talk to me or, or, or have a news story that you want me to talk about, you can always email me, me at jimguckin.com. Um, I check that every day. So, you know, I'm, I'm always looking forward to talking to uh, people who listen to the show. And don't forget, stay safe online and we'll talk again next week. You've been listening to the Cybersecurity News Byte with Jim Guckin. Learn more about our show at cybersecuritynewsbyte.com. 